When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. What's up, guys? I'm Connor Ferguson here with Jeff Woody and Colin Newell. This is Fart, Football and Random Things. It's the crossover season. It's the best time of year. I'm amped up for it. Nobody's tired today. Uh, we're going to have a great Tuesday. And uh, real quick before we do, I want to tell you guys uh, about Wiffles Hybrids. They're our presenting sponsor, and I got to read this. At Wiffles Hybrids, we focus solely and intensely on corn. The result is a level of performance uncommon in the seed business. Take a look around, and you'll see what we, what we mean. If you want to read that, go to their website. There's a lot of things to click on, and it has these cool little animations, and it, like, moves sideways and stuff it's very very visually pleasing <laughs> was child. that red right off the site <laughs> yeah that was, that's that's on their home page there we go the Good last three no one that. no one gives me like ad copies yeah. since i started at fanatic they just say hey read go for to this town. company so i've just been going to their website and clicking on different pages there's slogans on every page it's Love awesome it. it's impressive Love it. hey, folks on the branding yeah, yeah. It's great. No, uh, we got some football to talk about, though. And uh, so the Drake Bulldogs won 10 to 3. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing my Drake blue today, though. Hey, I guess. Oh, there you go. You're on t- You're on finally on the bandwagon. Oh, gosh. I'm Let's glad to have Iowa you. State football here. Yeah, we, we do got a lot to talk about. It wasn't me. Jeff is the one bringing Drake stuff to the podcast. So blame him. Undefeated. Undefeated in the PFL. Okay. Playing uh, Presbyterian on Saturday. At this home. stinks. We're knocking out the Drake segment. Anyway, early. continue. Okay. All right. Iowa State. Loses to Kansas 28-21. Sad day at Jack Trice Stadium for Cyclone fans, but I think a lot to talk about and take away from this game. Probably the most of any game all season, honestly. Uh, it feels like, I don't know, I, my thought on it is it's kind of, fr- it's a frustrating loss, but it's not one, the the Iowa loss, the Ohio loss, and the Oklahoma loss, when you, those three, when you came off of those three, like it felt like you got punched in the stomach really hard. Like, man, what a setback to the season versus this one. You felt like you were on the playing field and even with everything and like a few things change here or there and you win that game. So I don't know about you, but I don't feel too bad about that. It's more like, damn, that'd have been nice to get. I Yeah, I think I think you hit it spot on there. Like, that's not a game where it's like I by no means is that a bad loss. By no means does that feel like you just got off the field with the Ohio or even Oklahoma game where you were just outmatched. Um, I mean, statistically, everything is pretty much the same. There's a couple plays that were huge conversions. And uh, Iowa State, I mean, you, you don't get the number of possessions you used to. You know, these new clock rules and just the, the slowed down tempo by both teams, you had to pretty much be perfect in the second half on every drive to uh, to really get yourself back into it. And, and we were pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And um, just a couple, couple plays away that uh, changed the outcome of the game. For yeah, sure. And the other thing that, like, the, the another takeaway that I have is that like Kansas made plays 
It's it not did. like the, it's not like situations where a, a couple of these are like you know blown coverage, which led to an ADR touchdown. Like that that was bad. That was a, a straight blown coverage, but it was a play call to induce that blown coverage. They on did third it and one on third. third and, I mean, one. it's exactly what you want them to do. That was a great play call. But then there's like. Uh, on the Iowa State sideline going towards the south end zone, a guy makes an absolute circus catch and wow. double coverage. I mean, tip your cap. Like, it's some, I think that was like a third and six, too. So, like, yeah. plays like that, Kansas made plays. Like, it's not like they were just, uh, it's not like Iowa State forfeited that game. They didn't no. necessarily lose that game. I felt like Kansas won that game. And it also is one of those things that you can see how young this team is that they came out flat-ish. Like, I think they didn't have the same amount of, like, I don't want to say it's focus or juice or something like that. It wasn't quite ready to go, which happens. Like, young, it's not a good thing, but, like, just over the course of time, like, young teams will do things like that where they come out, whether it's not necessarily ready or they're not focused right away, and they're kind of, I I use the expression progression is a a progression is not linear or progress is not linear necessarily. So, like, they got better, they got better, they got better. In some areas, they still got better this week, but in some areas, they got worse, and now you get to look at it, learn, and then go play BYU and hopefully address the things you did poorly and take this young team and continue to just get them to be better. So, I mean, it sucks to lose to Kansas because Kansas fans are sometimes obnoxious, but you can't look at the game on the field on Saturday and be like, man, Iowa State sucks. I think what's impressive, too, is, is this turnaround that Kansas has had. I mean, it's been a pretty damn quick turnaround as far as what they've been able to do to get out there and learn to win and go out. I mean, they're seven and two right now. Mm-hmm. With their only losses are Oklahoma State and who is their other their other loss to Texas? Texas, Texas, Oklahoma State and Texas, top two teams in the conference. Which is weird that Oklahoma State's top team in the conference. But anyway, yeah, they're gonna go to the Big Twelve title. Yeah, probably because they have they have a cake schedule in the way yeah. or to the to finish the the season. Yeah, but anyway, it's it's just crazy to see that 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 they've been all turned around as quickly as they have and been able to take off and really go. So, um, and to do it now is really big. We were talking about this before the show started, but with conference realignment and like what the big 12 is going to be, you're losing that Texas, you're losing that Oklahoma where in a typical year they're they got perennial five-star teams and that's the makeup of college football right now. Is it in five years? If, you secure two Big 12 championships at Kansas. That's not my prediction, folks. Don't worry. But, <laughs> like, that that's just – it's massive to have this momentum. No matter what you think of this Kansas team, the record is going to look really pretty at the end of the year and, you know, do whatever in your bowl game and come back next year. It's a successful season for Kansas. The rest of their schedule is kind of gravy at this point. Well, and also- I shouldn't say the rest. Like, Kansas State to Cincinnati weekend. Like, yeah, Texas but, Tech, you should probably win that game. But thinking about, like – Kansas State and or Kansas and Iowa State. Iowa State was toe toe to toe with Absolutely. Kansas the entire way. Absolutely, talent wise, I don't know a push. Even I would say Iowa State probably has more talent, but Kansas is just older. Like yeah. that's the stuff that comes in those moments. You know, you make that big great catch. Well, that's a senior throwing to a senior. Like yeah. that. Those two. Though that situation with maturity comes confidence in the moments. And so, like Iowa State's such a young team yeah. that you look at Kansas going forward. And you know, one of the other things we're talking about before we air is like I, I, Lance Leipold's not going anywhere. I would be really surprised if he takes a job somewhere else. And like the, the, the evidence to prove that is when he was doing his contract re- renegotiations, he took a page out of Campbell's book and negotiated that in order for him to stay, they have to break ground on facility improvements by X date. And they did that. Now they're improving the facility, they're improving the stadium. So you wouldn't put that in your contract renegotiation to improve the stadium 
and then leave. So he's 59. Like, what do you got to prove? It's not like he's going to try and go just take another job to coach into his 70s. Yeah. Where you, if you win a Big 12 championship at Kansas, you have a statue at the stadium. Same thing with Campbell. So, like, you have invest in the facilities, you invest in the recruiting ground, you have a pretty, like, staff continuity. Uh, Aiden pulled up the fact that Andy Kotelnecki, the offensive coordinator, has been with him since UW Whitewater. So, like, he's been with him for 10 years, 15 years. So you have staff continuity, you've got facility improvements. He's going to be there. Going forward, Kansas and Iowa State are going to be, I would imagine, towards the top of this new Big 12 just because of the makeup of their staff and stuff. So, like, it's just Kansas is an older version of Iowa State. Like, that feels like what it is. Next year, if Iowa State's next year team played this year's Kansas team, Iowa State wins that game. It would be, and I think it would be a pretty fun fun game to watch. Right. And so it's just the more experience you get. I mean, it's it's a young Iowa State team that's improving. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know necessarily where I was going with that one, but like, I don't think Kansas is going anywhere, especially in this new conference. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, my point was probably similar to yours and just that the timing of it all lines up. But, uh, like, big positive out of Saturday, I thought Iowa State's rushing defense was really stout. Really, really good. Really, really good. They were, like, they, the defensive line, like, the line of scrimmage, you watch it, and, like, you watch Dominique Orange out there and, like, blowing Monster. their center Monster. up all game. Like, if I was playing center and I was that guy, like, <laughs> I would walk out of that game and I'd be like, I'm ice so bath, glad. where is it? Like, I'm so I glad I don't have to do that game. Yeah, man. like, he was getting absolutely demolished. 73 yards rushing, I think, is what they had. 74 Singleton had a good day, good day too. Yeah. They both did. I mean, I, th- I think just... The defensive line and and then the rush the rush defense absolutely holding the team to seventy four yards like that's a that's a victory like especially you're, a you're team that's averaging five point seven a carry coming in yeah it was a uh, two point one Saturday and being like I mean I don't know how many times I've watched him have humongous runs in football games this year like break something off and like yeah three attempts one yard total and I think are sacks in that they include sacks in the sacks are stats? in their rush their rushing stats okay in the nfl it's team stats, it's oh, rushing stats okay no i'm reading it right so, uh, yeah so he had three carry attempts but um yeah so they forced jason bean to throw and as you said like credit to kansas and that offensive coordinator because he pulled out the we need a big play here or we need a play to extend this drive and he pulled them all out at probably the exact right times and i would say got burned on yeah it's it's not it's not gonna happen but if I'm the Iowa Hawkeyes after the end of the year, I go to Andy Kotelnicki and say, how much do you want to get paid? We'll pay you that much. Please come be a coordinator up here. Like that, just the way that the creativity with that the offense has, and it does like the way that they would do, they would come out and like a lot of times. So the things that I really liked that Leipold did from like a, a technical standpoint is that he was formationing and trading on offense to get matchups they wanted. Yes. So like in past formations, they're, they're picking on whoever was in for Jeremiah Cooper. And I, I missed on that because I figured Jeremiah Cooper's responsibility in this defense is much more in the passing game than in the running game versus like Verdun and Freeler are much more in the running game. Cooper fills when he has to, but he is prim- the primary pass defense safety. And I didn't think Jason Bean had it in him to be able to throw as effectively somebody, yeah. and add, add, add somebody and do it as well as he did. Yeah. So like credit to them. Uh, but they picked on whoever was in for him and, and how they did that is that like, if they, it's a field safety boundary safety. So that's, that's how, so it was always the field side safety. And so if it's a field side safety and I want to get a one-on-one matchup with as much space as we can, I need a formation into the boundary. So like I need to put more guys to the short side of the field and then put a couple guys to the, so you'd see like that last play, which was on Ben nickel. It wasn't on, um, it, it wasn't on, uh, Thompson. Thompson. It wasn't on 22. 
they form it, it was for left hash or left middle. And there was two guys that were out by the numbers and everybody else was middle of the field or over. So there's just two guys in the middle of space because they know it's going to be field side safety, push them to the sideline as far as we can. And then we know we're going to get one-on-one in some form or fashion, whether it's a zone or man, they're going to trade something off. We're getting two on two. And so you formation to that. Well, and if we, they didn't really get to do it in the running game as much because Iowa state's defense was really solid against that, but they would come out and do similar things in the running game and try where they would do a tackle over they would break the huddle and a tackle over. So they have from right to left, it goes tackle, tackle, guard, center, guard, tight end. And then they would trade and move the tackle back to where he should go. But by doing a tackle over, you get the defensive line to set up in a way that you get your best run blocking guard on their smaller defensive end. And then you trade it and they have to stay there. They're not going to flip the whole defense when you go to trade. So like that kind of stuff that they would come out and break in one formation and then trade or motion to another formation to get the 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 setup they want. Like it's such a creative way of getting. I like our got our number zero on your number twenty two. How do we do that? And then formationing a way that they can do that. And then they just made plays like that. The, the offensive creativity that Kansas has a huge fan of. Yeah, I I, I didn't want to. Yeah, I just second everything you said there. Like the the moving of the offensive linemen. How many times we saw them break and break the huddle and not be in their stereotypical position. I mean, that's just one more thing that a defensive coordinator has to plan for. Like, oh, what can they do out of this? What and they break in wildcat and then move Bean back in. And and they just have so many things that just force you to be perfect with your eyes. Be perfect with hey, are they unbalanced? Aren't they unbalanced? Are they moving guys in and out? How are they operating? And it, it, I mean, that's something that you can totally trick a team with and, and sneak a big one on. And um, it, it's just another thing that it doesn't change much for the players. Like, hey, motion from here to here. But for a defense, it's like, hey, what can they do out of this position? Who's eligible? Who's not eligible? And um, it, it, it creates a lot of confusion. So absolutely. I think it was it was cool to see what they did there. I did want to ask uh, both you guys, because I think this is a um comparison i would say that i've seen uh, around social media um and on our, our uh, forums as well but did you think in the first half it looked like the offense of the first three games of the season or did it look like an offense that was really trying to get the run play going to open up the passing play and it was still there they probably adjusted away from that too late they waited till halftime uh, essentially um, you could probably make the argument both ways, too, that it was a little bit of what Iowa State is now and a little bit of what they were early in the year. But it, it was not they were not moving the football in the first half. Yeah, I, either way. To me, it feels like they were committed to like Kansas run defense coming in was bad. Like yeah. they were like the hundred something ranked yeah. run defense. So you, when you look at that on paper and you look at how you'd been able to run the ball for the previous few weeks, you think we are going to be able to execute in the running game and if you go, you know, you go three and out on that first drive because it was, you know, the weird callback. It's a correct call, but it sucks. But you, if you get a first down on there, then you have a higher, a bigger sample size of is our running game not working or did we lose that one matchup? So like if you go first down run, so they went, I think Bloom wrote, broke it down on the Sunday. Their first three run plays on first down were four yards, six yards and four yards. That's fine. We'll take that. But then if you get like a negative two yard play, when you're looking at that on the sideline or in the coach's box on the tablets or whatever, is it, I mean, Hufford just jumped out a window. Like he just, he just missed and we can still get that play again. Hey, Jared, just keep your, you know, keep your hips down, make sure, you know, number eight's going to swim hard, make sure whatever, whatever. 
is it that one play that we missed on or is the entire run formation not going to work? Well, you need enough sample size to actually determine if that's the case. Is it, mm. did we miss or is it schematically wrong? And so then by the time they had enough sample size of it's schematically not working, then they switched. But I would say, you know, you'd want them to get out of that sooner. But on the flip side, let's say they don't throw that pick six and it's seven to nothing. And then Iowa State gets the ball and they have the ball. They had the ball on the 40 yard line going in. If on that drive, they were able to successfully run the ball, which it, it was sort of happening, sort of wasn't by that point of the game. And you can just punch Kansas in the face. Then you're seven, seven, and you just ran the ball down their throat. Like that's the message that you want to send there. So the game situation changed, but I think imagine by the time they, they recognized that it was a scheme problem, as opposed to missing blocks problem that they did change. But because we were talking about like the clock rules, they just didn't have enough time to come back. So they just dug themselves too deep a hole. Well, I think that I mean going into the to the week, I mean, so much film is watched, and and there's an offense coordinator and defense coordinator on both sides. Like they're playing a chess match the whole game. They got to show that they're committed to the run because they still want to bring guys up. They still want to be able to open up that pass game. Um, but it, it never really truthfully got going all that much. We still ran for seventy five yards or something like that. But um, I think certainly w- with watching the film that they Kansas had put on film. Um, certainly seemed to be a different run defense and kind of what we had prepared for. I think another thing, just like talking about how well coached Kansas is, you can also formation guys into, this is more like, I was curious about to see what your take on the pass protection was, because this is the first time that Iowa State's had trouble in pass, pro, like pure, like really difficult, just difficulty with Rocco being able to hit his spot. It, you know, if it's quick game, he could get rid of the ball in quick game. But if it was a three-step, out of the gun, which is the equivalent of a five-step under center. So if it's three-step or three-step with any hitches, like he was getting pressure before he could even get to his throwing, to, to the timing of the play. What I took out of that is the way that Kansas formations, and we talked a little bit like on kicking it, which comes out tomorrow, is like man side zone side protections is if you're a defense and you show a certain amount of pressure look on one side, you're shifting the protection. You, you know that they're going to have to bring bodies to that side. So if there's four guys on the left side of the offensive line and one guy on the right side of the offensive line, well, you're going to have to slide to the left side of the offensive line because bodies need to go meet bodies. Well, then if you bring pressure there, or let's say you're trying to get the, the a one-on-one, uh, number eight was the guy that comes to mind, the, the pass rusher for Kansas. He's usually their right defensive, right defensive end, so matching up against the left tackle. Well, that guy... I want to get him one-on-one in as much space as we can. So whoever's rushing next to him, I'm going to tell him to take the left guard who's standing next to the left tackle, and I'm going to have him, that pass rusher, take the left guard's inside shoulder and cave it in because then I get the tackle totally in space. Two-way go. Then I give him as much room as I can, and now, hey, go to town, buddy. And so it feels like what Kansas did is that they defensive formation their way into getting one-on-ones with defensive personnel they liked on whoever they were pass rushing. I don't know if that's necessarily what happened, but that's what I saw. Cause I haven't rewatched it. Just, I was watching it live. Yeah, I haven't watched rewatched the game either. So I don't, I, I haven't dug into that a ton, but certainly, I mean, that's defenses pick matchups, offensive guys pick matchups. You find, Hey, who's their worst defense player that we can expose and attack. Let's get the ball, whether that's run game or pass game to that guy's situation as much as possible. So um, certainly something that, I mean, I've, I've seen there was there was times in my career where it's like, hey, you know that the team is going to do this to you because you put it on film. Right. And once you've put something on film, coaches watch a lot of film. Players watch a and lot it's of there film, forever and it's there forever. So it's like you got to spend a lot of time in practice that week 
to prepare like, hey, what am I not doing well? And then make those corrections. I think Iowa State players and coaches have done a great job so far this year at saying, hey, like if we have put a deficiency out on the on film, like we need to address it. And that's what really, really good teams do because there's going to be something that you get beat at. There's going to be something that a defense coordinator who's getting paid a lot of money says, hey, this guy is struggling or getting his, you know, leaning forward too much or his routes aren't perfect and he's cutting it short or whatever it may be. And then say, hey, let's attack that and expose that. And then, hey, how are we going to respond to that and grow? So not make it, not, not, not let it happen again. But I mean, just looking at tackles for losses, I was, Kansas had seven tackles for loss. Yeah. So when you talk about that run efficiency, like, hey, you, you kind of said that, hey, maybe the first run was four yards, six yards, four yards, whatever. But at the end of it, if you have a tackle for loss for that and then you're in third and seven, you're still in third and seven. Uh-huh. And it's really hard to be an offense coordinator in third and seven because you get to create those matchups on defense where, hey, you know that this guy's struggling pass pro or, hey, this guy's not getting off his routes or whatever it may be. It's a huge opportunity for that defensive coordinator to say, hey, I get to pick and choose what I do. It's not third and one where it's, hey, it's run or pass. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's that longer distance stuff where you can dial up those exotic blitzes and make an offensive line really think and communicate. And um, I think just the run efficiency and staying ahead of the sticks is so important going forward. Yeah. I think Iowa State converted on like three third and longs on Saturday with Rocco throwing. Well, and they, were, they had a lot of them. I yeah. don't know what their average third down might, distance was. It might have been more. I don't know what their average third down distance was, specifically in the first half, but it had to be at least eight and a half yards as far as yeah. what their average yards to gain was on third down. Cause they would always, yeah, it was a decent first down play or second. One of those two mm-hmm. was good, but one of those two was bad. Yeah. And now you're third and nine or you're third and 12 or you're third and 14. And yeah. like that situation, like you were talking about is if I know six that, for 12 on third down. So that's not bad, but in the first half it was worse. Yeah. Yes. And so like, it's, if you're, if I know that it's going to be a pass, yeah. How do we get, you know, like Iowa State would do the same thing with Will McDonald. Like, yes. how do we get Will one-on-one with their worst tackle? So they would flip, like last year when they had Will McDonald like, at, going to town against quarterbacks, whichever whichever guy was uh, more exposed in the situation, they would say, all right, we want that left tackle. He is really, he can't kick step. He can't keep up with your speed. We're All right, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to draw the guard in and we're going to then, or we're not going to draw the guard in. We're going to put a guy in between the guard and the tackle and make him still sit in the C gap for a little bit or the B gap mm-hmm. for a little bit. So he can't quite get full depth. And then we'll just go to town. Like they're going to do that. Iowa state did that with Will McDonald, Kansas. When you're third and 14, like you, you're not going to run the ball. Yeah. So you can do the same thing where you can say, all right, you know, this, whether it's, I think it was like James, like James Neal had a rough day. And I think he would get a little too much depth. Like he would start going too fast or he'd open his hips up. So a lot of inside moves worked on Saturday. And so like, all right, let's get the guard out of the way. Give him the two way go. Give him a let, let you do an inside spin or inside something like that, that we're going to get your, we want to set this up for you. And you, you don't have efficiency on first and second down. All right. Good luck. Third and 12 against a good coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to say uh, also the Jalen Noel. Well, one, the call sucked. Everyone knows the call sucked. That was end of story with that. But his throw on that trick play. Dude, that was just, a bomb. The creativity for the trick Wasn't he a quarterback play. in high school? He, yeah, he played some in okay. high school, yeah. I was like, he, that, he was, a, that was, was a dime. I told him, like, it was a great thing. I've thrown the ball before. I know how to throw the ball. Don't <laughs> that worry. That was a dime. He threw, the thing that, that like, impressed me is he threw, and it was 
he probably could have let him a little bit more or released it earlier, but he threw it before Higgins had even cleared the second guy. He was splitting like a double team of guys. He was just running faster then. It was insane to watch like in live time from the press box with that view that it was as perfect as you could get while throwing from a wide receiver. It was a perfect spiral. He got some air under it, let his guy run under yeah. everything. Got, like, got it was a turnover too. Yeah, it was. I was like, damn. Yeah. All right, dude. <laughs> and he took a hitch. Like it was. Yeah. Like it was a. <laughs> like wide receiver passes usually because of how long it takes. It's usually like catch, set up, throw. He went like catch, set up, hitch, hitch. Like bounced on his toes for like one or two hitches and yeah. then threw it. Like. Every like hitch, straight, I was wondering right why, it, why it felt so obvious that it was a pass. Well, because he was hitching. Yeah, like yeah, every yeah. every hitch is like if you assume that you know Jalen hit or, uh, with that Higgins is running, uh, you know four four, which is probably reasonable. If he's running four four, every half a second that you take is what one eighth or one ninth of forty yards. So yeah. like that's what like four and a half yards, almost yeah. five yards. Like every hit, every half second you take, he's moving four yards down the field. So if you take two hitches, that's eight yards further that you have to throw it. Like he had to, he had to cannon yeah. that one. How long was the throw? Uh, I think it was 42 yards, 42 yards. Plus right, let's eight, man. say, eight, say he's eight yards back. Yeah. That's a 50 yeah. yard bomb in the air. Well done. Well done. Um, just great creativity. I want more. Give me yeah. the give me the Statue of Liberty. That was fun. I I, I love a I love that play right there. Um, a couple other things I want. Did you want to do timing rules or the thing I'm actually blaming the loss on? Let's go timing rules. Good, because the thing I'm blaming the loss on isn't serious. So we'll get to that okay. after. Um, so they go down. Obviously, now please like consider that you can also attribute this to poor clock management. You can attribute it to it takes too long to get a play in in terms of like when you're trying to make a comeback. Uh, you can say that the defense shouldn't have given up a touchdown to open the second half on Kansas's first drive. There's many other things. So like I'm talking about these new clock rules almost every week now. Um, it's kind of my thing. I don't know. It's a sick thing. I'm <laughs> sick theory I've gotten myself into. But I'm not trying to say this is why. This, this is the only reason why this is happening. A lot of people... But it's a contributing factor. A massive one, especially when you go down 21-3 uh, to three to start the second half. So Kansas started it off with a five-minute drive. Iowa State's next drive was five minutes, uh, 35 seconds as well. Um, but once they got uh, the ball at the end of the third quarter after that Kansas punt, uh, there's eight seconds remaining um, on the there's eight seconds remaining on the clock when they got the ball to start this drive um going into the fourth quarter and it took it was an eight minute 11 play drive if you take the first play out of there so like the 11 plays and that's including a, a quarter break yeah. and i i didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal but this I, I mean i'll admit when i was wrong like that this game with the total snap count was under 60 for both teams yep like there are there are times when you know, you and I are, were playing prior to this clock rule. You'd get easily 75, 80, 85 snaps in a game yeah. because the clock stops. If it's an incompletion, they go out of bounds, the clock, the chains move. So describe the situation for those that aren't necessarily sure on the play clock rules, why this is a problem. So what it is, is in college football before this year, if you got a first down, the clock would stop. And like if you went out of bounds, it would behave the exact same way. It would stop until the ball was reset 
to where it was spotted. So I'm running out of bounds and it, there's 11.07 on the clock and there's 11.07, I go out and then I hand the, hand the ball back to the referee. Clock still says 11.07 yeah. until the referee gets the ball down. And then once the referee gets may, the ball down. Maybe, maybe on the way you slipped and fell on the bench and oh, the ball just trickled into the Iowa State bench, whatever bench. And they had to been. get a new ball from the sideline yeah. or whatever. And But by the time I get, I, I'm most of the way back to formation, but then they get the ball spotted. It's 11.07. I get sort of back to formation. Then it ticks over 11.06, 11.05. But there was 20 seconds in there between me going out of bounds, me yes. getting the ball, coming back in, but it still said 11.07. And the kicker to this, and I'm not I'm not in Matt Campbell's head. I'm not in Nate Shieldhouse's head, so I don't know. But this is kind of human psychology. I think I'm using that correctly. But those 20 seconds when the clock is running, and you're doing all these things on the field as coaches, you're paying attention to more things than I think a casual fan or even a diehard fan could really it's personnel change. Understand. It's time making sure we have time. It's making sure we have a plan for what the next thing is, making sure I'm getting defensive adjustments while the offense is on the field. So yeah, all these things. Mm -hmm. So that whole time the clock is running and once the ball is set, the play clock is going to so, start. Running. So, so you're not really paying attention to it. So now, so just to clarify for the audience. So now I go out of bounds. So this is the clock rule change. So I go to yeah. bounds at 1107. Play clock is still at, they reset play clock to 25, and that doesn't start moving until the ball gets set. However, I go out of bounds at 11.07. I fall down, ball gets kicked out of the way. It takes me 20 seconds to come back. As it, The clock just keeps running. So I go 11.07, 11.06, my butt's still on the ground, 11.05, 11.04, I'm still out of bounds. Referee doesn't even have the ball, 11.04, 11.03. 20 seconds goes by, referee gets the ball, sets the ball down. By the time the play clock starts, it's now 10.43, and then the play clock goes down. But there's tw those 20 seconds of me picking myself off the ground, then getting a new ball switched in, getting the chains reset, whatever, that's all just lost into the ether. So now it goes from 11.07 to 10.43. So the game clock rolls faster, but the play clock stays the same. You just don't notice that those, sa those seconds are gone. Yeah. And the other part of that, and what your mind <clears throat> thinks is a lot more time. So think of like you have two hours left in your day at work, the difference between that feeling and 20 minutes left, right? If you don't like your job, I suppose, because I like my job, I don't ever think about that. But two hours, a lot longer than 20 minutes. 11.07 on the clock, a lot more than 4.07. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking as, there, there's a bias there to feel like you have more time than you do. And these rules are still new enough where it's not getting adjusted uh, to the point that it needed to for Iowa State to win that game. If you save some more time there, you could have another three downs for Kansas that they'd have to go get a first down. You might have not had to call the timeout on the second. Mm -hmm. uh, second first down or second, I guess. Set of downs. Yeah. I, yeah. See, I don't know if I'm completely bought into that. Now, the other thing is even kind of hyperbolic on your example, but you're explaining it to the mm -hmm. people. But even if that is eight seconds lost in the ether instead of 23 or whatever you said. Mm -hmm. That adds up through the entirety of the second half. From the second it goes to a 21 to three game, Kansas knows, okay, well, we, we got the clock on our side now. Way Absolutely. far more so than in years past. And that's Absolutely. more of the point that I'm trying yeah. to make is that it's just shortening up the game. So, I don't know, 8.05 left in the third quarter, probably a little closer to 3.03 left in the third quarter in 2022. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. I th yeah, I think, I, I mean, the NCAA is getting exactly what they wanted. They wanted to reduce the number of reps and 
Um, it, it, it's still got three minutes the, and 55 second timeouts, though. Oh, yeah, my gosh. The, the oh. kicker is, and uh, credit to the Cyclone Fanatic commenter who commented this, because I'm looking more at possessions. Yeah. That is where these rules are affecting the game. They implemented them to limit the plays. The plays are only down college football wide on average four plays a game. Per, really? Per that guy. I don't know his username. I don't know if that's correct. So it's on my column on Fanatic it, on the uh, football forum. It's, it's sticky to the top of the page. You can go check it out. Go argue about it amongst yourselves. Yeah, I'll I, get in there if I. I'll get in there if I need to scrap. I, that's really interesting to me because sometimes you don't know if it's off, obviously Iowa State's going to be unique because we have a new offensive coordinator this season too, right? And, Coach right. and there's so, a lot of there's a lot of these teams that throw the ball a ton or that yeah. that are looking at these timing rules religiously and they're like on this comeback and they're like, okay, well we got to get out of bounds every play and then hustle back to the field and run another play. Yeah, so. I guess I truthfully hadn't really thought about it until you said it. They're like. Five minutes now is probably closer to like three minutes what it had been in the past just with the time rules because it it's under two minutes under two minutes it, it goes back on either on either side yeah. of half then it goes back to the traditional okay. time rules yeah. yeah so that I mean that's really interesting as far as is that like I really hadn't thought much about yeah, that but same that's I hadn't processed it until you actually get to the yeah moment. I wasn't sure what you were completely going with but then now that when you say that it's I'm like, glad because I was very worried for a second we, we were going over this <laughs> yeah. before the show we kind of shoot the shit in here and Woody's just looking at me waiting for me to make a point and I'm like I've made three points at this point yeah so I, I don't know what he wants me to say now <laughs> it feels like that I would be curious the statistic that would get this to change back where there are a couple things are gonna happen one in in future years you're gonna everyone every program does a deep dive on what they do well and what they do poorly and there are, this is going to be part of the deep dive is, mm -hmm. is were there changes that they need to make so individually the programs are going to look and see how do they amend their system in situations when you're trying to make a comeback because like the way that they're calling a lot of plays is they've got those wristbands and so those wristbands you know you look up and mm -hmm. like you're calling something from the sideline to say like wristband six or whatever and then you look at and say wristband six okay that is this formation this play this whatever okay we're gonna go do that is there a more efficient way to communicate that get that in faster in moments when you want to go faster yeah. like what do you think uh, yes there is but it just it everybody's got different systems but it does take a whole nother language to change what that is but then the other thing I, I would imagine what could potentially get this role reversed is if the number of comebacks so like wins so the ncaa is probably going to go through this as as much as the ncaa has made good decisions in the past which is very few times but if they go through and like number of 10 to 14 point comebacks in 2022 and that number was in seven percent of games where a 10 or a 14 point deficit was had of uh, the 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 team that was trailing come back to win and in this year it was four percent well that's a substantial difference and that also then changes the competitiveness and excitingness of the game and sort of the fairness of it so in those moments is could it, that could be when it flips i would yeah. guess they give it another year at least Can i ask you a dumb question do sure. they do they care because they the ncaa has made a lot of moves especially in my upbringing as a journalist that if you ask me what do I think the NCAA would do, my first answer to any question you ask is uh, somehow make the sport worse <laughs> with a dumb rule change. I think that the NCAA probably cares more about the contact numbers, like the number of the of number of injuries and hits and, and stuff. Injury. I think that's what they'll they're like. I I assume that's the whole reason they brought this rule was they want to obviously reduce this because there's been a lot more studies that have come out about number of contacts, number of contacts and, yeah. and all that stuff. So. I, I, yeah, I'm not, I like, I would hope that they would kind of look at that. Yeah, they also probably look at injury they're numbers. They're looking at, they're going to look at injury numbers 10 out of 10 times, I think. Yeah, over, you're right. Over that. So, 
But certainly, like, you would hope that they'd be like, hey, we're having half as many fun, exciting comebacks. Like, are we changing the game too much? All right. You want to hear why they actually lost? Sure. So they played Juicy Wiggle, and the speaker the speaker was blown out. They oh, my only, gosh. They only half wiggled. It wasn't a full wiggle. <laughs> that speaker system? And so that's a big asterisk on the black uniformed record. Okay. That speaker system on Saturday night? was really rough. You can't and really fi- music, you can't really fix it in game. That was like that was like the first time that I've been like, wow, the music that they're playing here, I kind of had some questions about. Oh, I yeah, they just blew a speaker. I think yeah, I think it was as simple as that and at that point the game's going and yeah, you can't send oh. a mechanic the up D- there. The DJ upstairs isn't going to be like, oh man, what are the beats per minute on this one? I got to uh, just for a broken speaker. <laughs> the number of people that I was sitting around that was literally covering their ears. Yeah, they, was like literally half of our section. Hilton, like anytime music. Yeah, came Hilton on. Coliseum. Can, this started in the two and twenty-two season. It kind of feels like they're piping in extra sound or they're turning the volume like way, way up. Doesn't need to be that loud. I'm, I'm getting old. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. But I guess I didn't pay that much attention to it. Uh, you didn't notice the half wiggle? No. Oh, I noticed the half wiggle. Fake analyst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you not notice? <laughs> it was the speaker easy to level. tell from the press box. Where it, it you know was. it's not super easy to hear everything. It was like oh, speakers aren't great. Yeah, it was bad. I I don't know. I wasn't noticing. All right, uh, real quick, we got to get off in like six minutes here. Aiden rushed us on time because we mentioned Drake too early in the show. Uh, so appreciate it, Aiden. <laughs> <laughs> preview to BYU here. Uh, this is from a Reddit commenter uh, from. RCFB, it's the college football subreddit on there. And I'm getting his username, sorry. Uh, Kruger-Dunning. BYU is a vampire team. They're 21-0 going back to 2020, kicking off at or after sunset, 13-13 and and in the rest of their games. Now they're also undefeated this year at home. They're 4-0 at home and they're 1-4 on the road. And the the on-the-road games, they have gotten effing obliterated on they played they went to play byu and they got or excuse me they went to play texas and got beat 36 to 6 and gave up like 500 yards of offense and they went to play west virginia and got beat 37 to 7 and gave up 300 yards rushing but when they when they play at home now granted the two big 12 teams they've beaten at home have been cincinnati and texas tech when texas tech had their third string quarterback in so it's not like they've been playing the best the big 12 has to offer but they are much better at home and in provo it's we talked on kicking it to uh, uh, someone who actually you know covers BYU. It's at 4,500 feet altitude. Like it's a different feeling. It's going to be 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock. What feels like our time for when that game's getting kicked off. So like it's a late game. It's going to be a different vibe. But this this BYU team has has shown that they are very Jekyll and Hyde. Like they're going to be either really competitive really scrappy in the running game or they're going to give up a zillion yards or they're going to be really competent on offense they haven't been able to run the ball much you gonna be really competent on offense keaton slovis is out there and if you if you're not sure if you don't remember keaton slovis he was at usc when clay helton was at usc and then he transferred he was at Pitt for a while then he transferred from Pitt out to byu so he's one of those like emory jones bounced around bounced around journeyman and he may or may not play they he didn't play against west virginia they had a backup in so like their offense can't really run the ball and but they have been semi-competent in throwing. So I think to me, what it boils down to is can Iowa State run the ball and can they stop BYU's passing game? If those two things happen and hold BYU, whether it's turnovers or just 
uh, hold them to the point where they're throwing on like third and 15. If you can get them to a point where they have, they are in must throw situations, that's a much easier uh, defense to play against or offense to play against. So if Iowa State can run the ball, like again, West Virginia ran for 300 last week and they can stop the, get them in long down to distance situations, Iowa State can win this game, but it's going to be very different. Like don't take it as like, oh, West Virginia beat the shit out of them. 30 something to six. Well, that's, that was in Morgantown. They're not good on the road. They are good at home. It's a very different team. One of my favorite things is when we make a uh, mention of long stats, then they're going to be broke. <laughs> <laughs> it's a totally a believer break. in it. Yeah. Like 21 to no. Well, okay. 21 and one. Yeah. Let's do it. There you go. I, uh, also the Jake Redslaff is the backup, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I guess he's the first Jewish athlete to start at quarterback for BYU. Yeah, and Jaron Hall was the first black quarterback to start for BYU back in 2015-16. The guy who's the backup for Josh Dobbs in Minnesota now. Yeah, uh, He was first black quarterback at BYU. Took uh, That was all under Kalani Sataki. So, yeah, if you're interested in learning more about BYU, we go, we got 37 minutes of awesome. BYU on That's kicking good. it to kind of go into what they're going to be facing. Um, that was, yeah, it was, it was really fun to talk to the dude. Also, some advice for eating at the stadium if you are going out to Provo. Mm, I've heard that stadium is just such a cool. Atmosphere. I think I think Hassel said that's his favorite place he's ever called a game, is at BYU in Provo because you're like you're literally at the base of the mountains. I've heard a ton of cyclones that are going out there. It's I would love to if I didn't have a kid coming, like shortly, then I would for sure. I, this is a one that we'd for sure go out there for. Should be a uh, fun one. I love the 9 p.m. kick. I mean, yeah, you, that makes one of us. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a road game. I'm not looking forward to it. On my couch, Be, like because so we're the my wife will get induced the week of the 20th if she doesn't hatch sooner. Uh, and so we'll, but we're having Thanksgiving on the like this Saturday just so we can actually have Thanksgiving. So I'm gonna be full on turkey and stuffing. Okay. You ain't gonna make it to kick. I'm gonna have to take a nap at like five in order to get to the end of this because it's gonna be like you know the trip to, the trip to fan nap at like 5:30 p.m. And I got to call Drake earlier that, like, in the game, Drake's future win against Presbyterian, of course. Senior, senior day. Come senior out day. and support the team. Also, okay, I'm just, this is a little Drake thing, not even necessarily about Drake. Best senior day tradition. Absolutely the best senior day tradition. So, you know how, like, you get pictures taken, so, like, you run out with your family and whatever, yeah. you got flowers for your mom or girlfriend or wife or whatever, and then... uh that you get picture taken and they just go and they line you up and say, Oh, everyone, this is the seniors or whatever. Drake does the same thing, but the pictures they take are with Griff. Who's the bulldog mascot on like the 10 yard line. So you go, uh, you meet your parents and give them a hug and you get a scratch of uh, like a real bulldog, like on the head on the field and get your picture taken with Griff. It is so much fun that you just get to like, look at this puppy <laughs> right before the game. It is my favorite. It's just watching every like dad who's, you know, is tearing up because he's watching his son it's his senior day. And I'm so proud. Oh, look at this dog. Like watch the, the dads, pup. watch the dads melt when they see their dad, their son. And they also get to see the puppy. Like, it was like you watching me read the Wiffles hybrids ads. That is my <laughs> favorite. Absolutely. My favorite. Awesome. going to win this week. Yeah, let's do that. Get Go bowling, bowling. 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 so we can talk about it. All right, this has been Fart. Thank you guys for listening. I'm Connor Ferguson, Jeff, Colin. See you next Tuesday.